0: Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, 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 friends. Happy Friday, it's Friday, and happy, happy hour episode We have a great show for you today. And I think I say that all the time because honestly, we only put out great shows, you guys. This is a fun episode because it's with one of my favorite people in the entire world. In fact, I tell her this, that she is one of the best things that came into my life during quarantine. Isn't that funny? Maybe you could look back and see like, hey, what was a friendship that started during quarantine? This guest is that for me. My guest today is Tony Collier. Tony is the founder of Broken Crayon Still Color, which helps women process through brokenness and to get hope. We're going to talk about that today, and you're going to be encouraged. And if you want to be a part of her ministry, I'm going to tell you how at the end. She also serves alongside her husband, Sam Collier, who's been on the podcast before. Her husband, Sam, is the lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, and Sam was on last fall. So sometime in 2020, go back and look up, you can find Sam Collier on the show. Tony is a speaker and a host, and she loves teaching people all around the globe that you can be broken and worthy and unqualified and still called to great things, and she is living that right now. Today on the show, Tony dives into her difficult childhood and overcoming church hurt due to following a pastor instead of focusing on Jesus which that part of this conversation, oh, I'm going to need to listen to that again. And then I have some bonus content for you as well. If you go over to YouTube, youtube.com slash Jamie Ivy, that's my YouTube page. And we're putting bonus content up there for you every single week. And this week I asked Tony what it was like to be a single mom while working inside of the church. And so she answers that over on YouTube. Guys, this Sunday is Mother's Day and we have a Mother's Day gift idea Blog for you, you go to jamieivy.com slash Mother's Day 2021. Now, listen, Mother's Day is Sunday. So you're not going to get anything shipped to you, but maybe there's something on there that you could get to your mom afterwards. Or there's tons of stuff on there from Amazon. And listen, if you got Amazon Prime, you might be able to get it to her by Sunday. But don't forget, reach out to those special women in your life who have mothered you, whether they are your physical mothers or they are people who have acted like mothers in your lifetime. Also, you guys, we have a fun happy hour birthday show coming up for you soon. But just to know, our actual happy hour birthday is Sunday. That will be seven years since the very first episode of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast was released. In fact, episode one. If you've listened, oh, bless your heart. I've come a long way. The show's come a long way, but it's with my best friend in the whole world, Amy Gayhart. So that's episode one. And our actual birthday is on Sunday. All right, friends, here is my friend, Tony Collier. And listen, I'm sure we edited all of the cutting up that we did, but she is hilarious. She cracks me up. I love chatting with her. You're going to adore her as well. Welcome to the happy hour, my friend, Tony Collier. Tony Collier, welcome to the happy hour. Introduce yourself to my listeners.
1: Hey, y'all. I don't know what to say. My name is Tony Collier. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. I always have to say that. H-town of because- the house. H-Town The Realist, okay? I just have to put that out there. Not going to be honest. I've been in Atlanta for 10 years, okay? So I do have to claim it just a little bit. Yeah. But man, I'm just so grateful to be here. I get to lead over a women's ministry called Broken Crayons Still Color. I get to stand alongside my husband and serve our church, Hillsong, Atlanta, which is So a little bit. Can't believe that's happening. Hello, somebody. And I just, I recently signed a book deal. A I can't wait people. to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it tonight. I have a six-year-old Strong Will Blessing. That's yeah, something you do. that you need to know right mm-hmm. now. That's why I have to draw my eyebrows on because I just <laughs> feel like they're falling out from stress. <laughs> Parenting I, in a pandemic.
0: I love your daughter so much because we were together... We were together a lot. <laughs> Every I say a lot, but listen, we were at three events together, but it was the most I saw anybody <laughs> this whole year. But we were at an event together, and we had dinner. I sat right next to her. Literally, <laughs> our elbows touched. Like I had to be like, Dylan, pass the salt, okay? Okay. Sat right next to her. I saw her like three weeks later. I was like, Hey, Dylan, what's up? You remember me? She was like, No. I was like, <laughs> I sat next. To you, like I could have cut your steak up for you. She's like, No, I don't I know said who no. you are. <laughs> I said no. Okay? I love her so much. I was like, I get it. I get it. She was like, I don't need to know you. I'm just going to eat my food. And <laughs> it is what it is. And hey, nice to meet you. For yeah, the third exactly, time, okay? exactly. Come on, somebody. I do love it. In all seriousness, all joking aside, okay, you were one of my favorite things out of the past year. And I say that because we got to host Ifly together. And that was yeah. our first time to meet. That was it. That was our moment. And then we hosted two Therefore gatherings, which I'm both of us are a fan of the younger generation. Uh, like, yeah. it's a joy to pour into them. And so we got to host that. But I also, I interviewed your husband, Sam, on the podcast. Yeah, and he told me after we finished recording about Hillsong. And I was just <gasps> over the top excited for you yeah. guys. And so it's been a joy to see God just really yeah. use you guys and how, I mean, I can't wait to see what happens with the Colliers. I literally am just going to get a front Let's row seat. go. Let's go. Let's go. So let's talk real quick about a handful of things. Number one, Hillsong, Atlanta. I mean, (laughs) what is even happening? How has it been? Now, this is coming out on May 7th. When are you guys officially open? What's going on? Legit June 6th. So this is the moment. This is the moment. June 6th, you guys are open. Okay.
1: Hot off the press a month later. It's crazy, man. The honest truth is, and Sam probably told you this, my husband, we never – thought that we would be pastors ever, ever, ever. We're like living the itinerant speaker life, getting to partner with churches and organizations, traveling, living our lives. And I remember the day that the Lord spoke to me because I do feel like he he chooses to speak to the women first. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding.
0: Hey, God (laughs) has done that in our marriage plenty of times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, you ask, you're like, is this my moment? Like, Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, do I need to say (laughs) this? Or is this your job? Like, is this my moment? And I leaned over to Sam and I said, I think it's time for you to pastor I think I said, I know he's like, nah, I'm like, brother, I think the Lord is calling you to something special. And lo and behold, legit a year later, we ended up connecting with pastors, Brian and Bobby Houston over Hillsong and our first meeting. They're like, yes, like God is saying that to us as well. We are coming together. And on the same wavelength, we're listening to the Holy spirit and we want you guys to plant this church. And the truth is, the reason why I've always felt like Sam has been called to do something new in the kingdom is because of what he's already done for the kingdom. He has partnered with Andy Stanley over at North Point Ministries, Reggie Joiner over at Orange, and he has just truly revolutionized organizations, brought in diversity, put out a whole bunch of equity and inclusion resources, really changed the way we see Christian hip hop in the church. I mean, he's done all this already, and I think as a pastor, the church is still- even with all of our myths, still one of the most powerful ways to preach the gospel. Yeah, And I'm like, I think it's time for you to go apply those gifts to the gospel. So I'm excited that he said, yes, not to me, but to God. That's right. Okay, somebody. And now I just get to watch him flourish. And I always tell him, I'm like, I am like your number one. I'm like an ambassador, kind of like, I'm just your most trusted advisor. Okay. I'm just here trying to help you get your life, but it's been great. We have a phenomenal team, and we're building something so special here in Atlanta for real. Okay, June 6th. June 6th,
0: baby. All right, Atlanta peeps, June 6th. You can check it out, and I'm going to be cheering you guys on here from Austin, Texas. So excited for you. It's a joy what you're doing. Okay, so let's talk about your ministry, and more than just your ministry, I'd love to hear your story of how you got to where you are Mm. today, and I'm sure that it's long and all the things, and I've heard pieces of it, but just like... Where you are now with the ministry that you yeah. have, usually those ministries start as an overflow of what God has done in our own life. Yeah. And I can see that yep. in your life. So talk to us about that a little bit. Where has Tony been and what has God done
1: Ooh. as a big
0: picture? Give me the big picture. I'm going to do the big picture right now. I'm going to nutshell it. All
1: right, family and friends. It's not going to feel like a nutshell, but I for real going to nutshell it. Long story short, man, how just a horrific childhood. My mom was really sick growing up. My dad was verbally abusive in so many different ways. Lost my virginity at 13. Didn't really grow up with nurturing and parenting. Just kind of raised myself. Went to alcohol and drugs and eating disorders and partied and torqued all over somebody's club, all over somebody's living room floor. Hello, somebody. All the things. I won't share too many details, family. But really, I essentially was just kind of sweeping everything under the rug and numbing in different ways. But I always had a performer's heart. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm like, I'm going to crush this life. And I was going to go to law school and live my best life, graduated high school in three years, left my parents' house at 16, was going to really go for it. But insecurity and validation from boys and men just honestly rose up and led me astray. And so after dating a guy for three months, I decided not to go to law school and move all the way to a different state with him. And not long after we moved, it it turned into another abusive situation, verbal abuse, physical abuse, lots of poverty, end up getting pregnant with Dylan getting saved at 21, which was crazy in of itself, and got plugged into a local church and started doing ministry. Started off as a student pastor, went with fellowship of Christian athletes, started speaking to middle schoolers, high schoolers, planted a couple of churches or helped to, and then ended up having to go through a divorce. And thinking that my purpose was gone. Everything was horrible. My pastor was super toxic. And it was in that moment that Broken Crayons was born. I distinctly remember for the first time hearing an impression from God that, you know, actually your brokenness is not going to discount you. It's what proves me more powerful. And so I did a talk that was called Broken Crayons Still Color to a whole bunch of crazy middle schoolers, might I add. And literally from that moment on, God opened the blood gates and honored my surrender in that and my honesty and vulnerability. And Mm. the rest is history, man. Now I get to tell other women in the world through my women's ministry, broken crayons that God can still use you too, right in the middle of your mess. And it's just been fun. I have, gosh, seven people underneath me now helping to run my ministry. Oh my gosh. That makes me, my pits sweat a little bit. So good. Yeah. Incredible women with incredible stories, doing incredible things for
0: God's daughters. So it's been really cool. I love that. You know what I love? so much about just the way that God works through his people is he's constantly taking our mess and our things that mm-hmm. disqualify us and using those for the kingdom and yep. I have found Tony over the years of sharing even my story vulnerably and how God's brought me through things and the struggles that I've had growing up mm-hmm. within the church and then dealing with shame and all the things women come to me and they're they they do not have the same story as mine but they have the same struggle
1: If that Mm, makes sense. Their stories are different,
0: but they're feeling the same amount of shame. They're feeling the same amount of inadequacy. They're feeling the same amount of God could never use me. And so what a joy to look at your life and see how God is doing that. Now I want to ask this though. Ooh, that was the big picture in a nutshell. It couldn't have been easy. Oh my gosh. Does the word easy even need to
1: exist? I think that sucker needs to be taken right up out the dictionary. Okay. Right. Right. No, it wasn't easy, Jamie. And I would say, this is going to sound weird. I think the trauma and a pain and abuse and church hurt and manipulation was honestly easier than healing was. What do you mean by that? Oh, man. I feel like when you grow up in trauma, it becomes your normal. You Mm. create trauma bonds. Yeah, You almost can't exist without trauma and unhealthy attachments and dependence. And when you realize, whether it be through God, a person, a a friend that's close to you, that actually you've been abused and manipulated and mistreated and you begin leaking from that place, that awareness, it hurts, bro. Like (laughs) the story mapping, looking back and realizing that, oh, like that guy was actually sexually manipulating me. Mm. Oh, I was suffering with bulimia because I literally thought I had to be perfect to be loved. Oh, snap. I'm not I'm not operating in a healthy way. Yeah. And that healing journey was so hard. I didn't want to be broken. Yeah. Because it feels comfortable because it's all you know. It's all you know. Yeah. This is my life. It is just supposed to be this hard mm-hmm. and so easy sometimes almost feels, gosh, intimidating. Why wow. like Comfort feels intimidating. Nurturing. Being told I'm beautiful. It feels weird.
0: <laughs> not it's not normal. It's like you see people who run back to abusers or who run yeah. back to trauma like you're saying because I feel safe this yeah. is not the same but I often think about this when I used to do volunteer in our county jail we would have this time where we would talk about sex trafficking again not the same but hear my point here I love this. we would talk about sex trafficking and we would explain what it was and every single time we would have a woman who would go wait I think that happened to me like I didn't <sighs> even know that's what it was and so it was this and honestly they would be like they would say the exact same thing. It's easier to live that lifestyle because it's what I know. Mm-hmm. And not just trafficking, but it could be anything. Abuse, yep. addiction, whatever that might be. I know how to live in an abusive relationship. I don't know how yep. to live in a healthy relationship. Ugh. So you said you became a Christian at 21. Were you married yeah. then? I was almost married. I was shacking up, okay. living my best life. Did you have Dylan? I did not have Dylan yet. Okay, no. so I became a Christian at 21 too. So, <gasps> Yeah. Look at us. Soulmates. I know. Soulmates. I know. So when you started following Jesus, did you grow up in a Christian home? Was this all new or was just the relationship new with him? Yeah. I grew up Catholic. and Oh, I, yeah. I'm not
1: trying to say that to be like, you know, Catholics aren't Christians. I'm not saying that here that, but I am saying there is a very ritualistic part and strategy of Catholicism, I mean, I never received salvation. I got my first communion, my confirmation. It was all about checking off boxes and order. And so no relationship, no real relationship. And if I'm being honest, my mom was the like education teacher on Sunday. And that's just not good. That's not a good mix <laughs> for kids. I'm like, I'm out. My mom's a teacher. Not learning yeah. nothing. <laughs> it just so I was not plugged in at all. So um, when I became a Christian at 21, I mean, I was shook. I was like, this is wild. Who are these Christian people? Yeah. What are y'all doing? It's a yeah. whole system.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. So walking into your new relationship with Jesus and these newfound opportunities to teach and be involved, yeah. I, I don't want to put my experience on you, but I felt often unworthy. Because oh, as yeah. I started realizing like what Jesus had done for me and the way that I had disregarded him, because see, I grew up knowing about Jesus and salvation and mm-hmm. would have said I was a Christian. I knew all these things. I struggled with who am I? Like, you guys know who you invited? Because uh-huh. I think you would take that invitation back if you knew. I think a lot of women feel that way. Is like there's yeah. these ideas of I have to hide these struggles that I've been through so that people will accept me. What did that look like for you jumping into ministry, yeah. knowing where you've been twerking all over H-Town, you know? <laughs> Sweeping words, the flow. Your
1: words, Sweeping, not mine. <laughs> Sweeping the flow, baby. Let me say this first and foremost. It is not a did. It is a still happening to this day. Every day I wake up and I'm like, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. Are you show this book deal? I was like, y'all show? Y'all show y'all know what's popping. And let me say this too. I think that there is a healthy space in that. I think there is a balance, a gray, messy middle space between confidence and humility. But when I first started, I did not have that balance. And so insecurity festered and grew like a tornado. For me, it... Every single day. I mean, I think anxiety rose up in me way more back then because one, I'd stopped numbing, weed, Mm. alcohol, all that stuff. So all that started to rise. But then every day, I was just like, there's just no way. Like, there's, I don't think y'all understand that a month ago, I was literally in the club doing the worm Mm -hmm. after I smoked a couple blunts. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't think you guys understand it. But the truth is, I was so young, Jamie, and I was put on a platform at such a young age. So, you know, with such a baby faith that it was, it almost made it better because Mm. I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, the platform. I didn't understand all that. I literally viewed myself as this crazy ratchet wild girl that just got to do fun stuff with students. Mm. And I think it made me more relatable. I think I connected with students way more. I didn't know the language. I didn't even know what ordination was. They were like, we're getting ready to ordinate you. I was like, that's great. Can somebody send me (laughs) the definition to that? What that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it honestly made it better for me, and um, but it took me a while to get over that insecure thing. I, counseling, come on. Somebody. Counseling, 110%. <laughs> you guys,
0: in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You know, it makes me think you just talked about how you have this new book deal. And congratulations, by the way.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Two bucks. I cannot wait to read your words, oh, but I was looking at your Instagram stories the other day and you were talking about this right here. I mean, here you are, however many years removed from that insecure girl that you were then yeah. and still like, I'm glad you said you're still battling this. I say that often, like this is a fight that I may fight for the rest of my life in some areas, but it's yeah. a matter of fighting it now. Like I choose to fight it. Ooh, that's good. So what does that battle look like for you today? And how's that insecurity even rising up today in your life as, you know, pastor of Hillsong Atlanta and... Ministry runner, and all these things that you're getting to do. How does that insecurity look now? I love
1: the realness of what you said. I may battle with this for the rest of my life. There is a power and a sureness that you get to walk with when you know what you battle with and when Mm -hmm. you're unafraid to say it, unafraid to just own it. Like, I battle with this. It is what it is lust, pride, money, whatever it is. I battle with it, period. I think that is the first step. I I just, I don't want to live my life not knowing what battles I have to fight. I don't need to be a blind soldier. That's not what I'm trying to do. And I think every single day I legit wake up and I'm like, Lord, don't let me mess this up. Mm -hmm. Because when I do my little quiet time journal, my little seven minute journal, I literally say, Lord, reveal to me my struggles every day. Show them to me every single day. I want to own it. I want to know it because I want to apply your truth to it. And I want to understand fully that the only way that I will continue to get to do anything for the kingdom of God is by surrendering all of those weaknesses that we have named at your feet and picking up your glory, period. Yours, not mine. And that's it. And then I think I get around people like you, Jamie. It is the truth. You know I reached out to you. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to do a book thing. I don't know what's going on. And that was not me in the past. I was always the person people went to. And honestly. I found so much pride, and I'm like, oh, I'm the one that people come to for advice. But I'm freaking drowning myself because I have too much pride to go and ask people for help and let people know what I'm battling with. And so I think that's the second thing. It's I reach out to my people. I am not afraid to be like, Jamie, help me. I don't know what I'm doing at all. What does mean? What does this mean, girl? I'm nervous. And really allowing you to speak into that space and inviting you into those vulnerable places. And
0: so those are the two things. Ownership, community, man. So That's good. it. good. It is so yeah. good. You know, I think sometimes we're so afraid of that ownership because we're afraid of what people are going to think of us.
1: Yep.
0: And I... I'm so encouraged because I have a couple of girlfriends who I could literally say anything to them and they wouldn't think less of me. And here's why they wouldn't is because they have an adequate picture of the gospel. Mm, And their adequate picture of the gospel says that we are worse than we think. yep, (laughs) And we need Jesus more than we ever could imagine. And so if I were to confess one of my struggles, Mm. I can have ownership over that because they understand how much I need Jesus and how much Jesus has for me. So I also Good. want to encourage people to facilitate and to foster that community aspect
1: Come on. Yep. to
0: where Tony, you can say to your best girlfriend, man, all I dream about is wanting to be rich and wealthy. And it <laughs> ain't so I can give more to the kingdom. It's so I can give Why more to Tony. <laughs> yeah, But you know what I mean? And so for you to yep. say that to them, for her not to look at you and be like, "Dang, oh, you're the worst person I ever met. <laughs> but for her to look at you and be like, I get it. That might not be my struggle, but the gospel is here for that as well. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Because on, so many times we're afraid to say it because people have looked at us like, oh, yeah. you're worse than I thought. <laughs> or cancel culture. Hello, yes. somebody. That's yes. why your
1: identity can't start and end on Instagram, on your okay. feed.
0: Say it really again don't for the people let on the start. back. Don't let- <laughs> your
1: identity cannot start and end on your feed. Okay?
0: Protect the scroll, family and friends. There it is. Friends, hashtag there it is. It. It. There it is. Come on. So when you were feeling that just recently, right. two yes. weeks ago, <laughs> yesterday... <laughs> last night how okay. did you besides that know your weakness i mean you know ownership and friends yep. what does that practically look like for you to walk out man taking deep breaths
1: honest i mean so cliche like i feel like i say things now that like the older generation said before and i'm just like oh really Like, pray about it is that yeah. what you mean pray about mm-hmm. it but the truth is yeah like pause and and literally sit in that i do not think that many of us are wired to sit in pain And I am a familiar friend with pain and trauma. I know what it feels like to sit in abuse. And I'm not saying do that. But what I am saying is there is a resilience that we have to gain in order to process through the things that break us. And the first thing is we got to sit in it. Mm -hmm. I am feeling anxious right now. I'm feeling stressed out right now. I'm feeling insecure right now. And the power and the ownership of sitting in it, of choosing to say, let me feel it, that robs the enemy of his ability To own it, Mm. his ability to wreck you with it, because from that place of ownership and stillness, I think the next step is to call the enemy out for what it is to speak directly to that lie. I'm an aggressive person. People probably can realize that. So I'm about to pop off at the end of me. No, you can't have this. Mm. You can't have my mind. You can't have my heart. You can't have my emotions. And you for dang sure can not have the purpose that God has on the inside of me. You cannot have it. There it is. And then I'm like, God, please come.
0: (laughs) Help me. (laughs) Help.
1: Help. I told him no. I told, I told the enemy no. I need you to come. No, I need reinforcements. Oh my gosh. But and it, I do that. I'm not kidding. I do that, Jay. Like, I be up in my room doing that, saying those things out loud. Enemy, no. Mm.
0: Help me, God. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's like when the guy was like, God, Jesus was like, Do you believe? And he's like, I believe. Help my unbelief. Mm. It's almost like, Okay, yes. Can you help me? Yes. Can you help me? Over and over. And sometimes I feel like we think we're weak if we have to say, help my unbelief. Listen now,
1: I'm about to sweat my hair. My edges is out. My edges is out. Listen to me. We literally have access to the power source. Yeah. Like, I think i like, and if we really were to get gut level honest, Jamie, it is the world that has taught us to define weakness as a a stunting or stumbling place Mm. for success. But it's not, I mean, Paul literally says to the Corinth church, there's a thorn in my side. I'm battling with a thing. And I think that God is allowing it to stay to remind me that I need him, not because he just wants to be needed, but because he has the sauce. Mm. He's got the juice. He is the power source. And he literally is like, I have everything you need. I'm on the sidelines of your life. Put me in coach. I've got something for your weakness. And the world is just like, no, my gosh. Or they're like, just tell all your business, just be vulnerable. And this may be controversial, so I'm so sorry, but it's not okay just to get on social media and tell all your business. That's not enough. Awareness is step one. And honestly, when you're admitting all these things, it needs to be in a safe environment so that you can actually go live out the practical steps to healing. Listen, vulnerability hour means nothing if you are not healed or on a healing journey. Stop it, girl. I'm I'm wrapped
0: up. I'm wrapped up. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, even like, I mean, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's like, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to take up your cross and follow me. And and that was like, I need to surrender everything. I need to lay it all down, which also means like, hey, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. And here's the deal. So you pastor told me this one time. It was a little crazy. They were like, you can be successful
1: if you choose evil. And I was like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Yeah, no, no, no. The enemy has resources as well Mm. and is using and working in the world, in culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can go that route, but just understand that there's no insurance in that. There's no love in that. There's no nurturing in that. There is no kingdom eternity in that choice. And I think we get so misconstrued that, oh, I mean, especially people that have denounced the church. Well, Mm. I can go be successful outside the church. I can be successful as a non-believer. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know all of the successful atheists and people that are just like, nope, I'm not doing it. Yeah. But where's eternity for mm. you? There is a difference. There is a grace. There is a God that's literally reaching after you that you have forfeited access to. I can't do it, girl.
0: So, so, so good. And you know what, Tony, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. But One thing we haven't talked about a lot on my show that I think that you're the person to ask is you've been through some church hurt oh. and church hurt is real. Mm-hmm. And it often leads people away from the church. Yep. And you are now a pastor. Surprise. Surprise. But it's a real topic. And some people are really living with a lot of hurt. Yeah. I don't need you to tell me your story and what you went through oh, more sure. than you would want to. But I really want to know the other side. Yeah. What kept you close to God in the midst of getting hurt by people who proclaimed his name?
1: Yeah. Let me just first and foremost say this, family and friends. If you have been church hurt, manipulated by a church leader spiritually abused and manipulated, I see you, I feel you, I get it. I set that precedent because I really do believe I have the authority to say the next things that I'm going to say because I've been through it. I've been in it. I've been volatily hurt by it. And I left the church and forfeited my belief in Jesus before I came back. So I have a little authority here and I see you and I understand it. What I learned on my own personal journey was that my church hurt did not hinge On a human being. And it wasn't just everyone else's fault. The truth is, when I stepped into Christianity, I bought into a pastor and not a savior. Mm. It's, It's the truth. I have to say it. I bought into a pastor. I invested into a pastor. I tethered my purpose into a pastor. I agreed with a pastor that said to me, Tony, no, you shouldn't go pursue all these other things that you think God's calling you to because. Only one seed can live in this house, meaning only my purpose is can be planted in this church. Literally, my pastor say to me, I am a tree and you are a branch. Your purpose is connected to me. Oh, so that sounds like a
0: little church, bit of like Jesus talk from John. Correct. correct. Wowzers. The higher I go, the higher you'll go. You just have to pour into my vision
1: and me, period. I chose to believe that and follow that. Now he was wrong. So wrong, because he was trying to be Jesus. and a lot of pastors have, for so many reasons, their own traumas, pride, we put people on pedestals, and those are our faults. But the truth is, I got up and did most of my worship on a Sunday morning, got most of my word from that pastor. I did not have deep, intentional relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I wasn't meeting with God regularly. I was not I bought into a pastor mm-hmm. and not a savior. And I think for many of us who have been church hurt, if we were to be gut level honest, We hinged our faith on a human being Mm. and not a savior, not the creator of the world. And from that place, manipulation came, church hurt came, hardship came. And I think for those of you that have walked away from the church, I think we have to remember that the church is about a savior. Mm. If you are going into a church, if you have left the church and you don't want to go back because of a person, you are not serving God. Mm. Your faith is not in God. It is in man and that's not okay. And it wasn't okay that they hurt you. And that's what I had to own, and I had to heal from, and I'm still healing from. I'm afraid to have mentors. I'm afraid to have leaders because I'm so afraid that they will use me and manipulate me and hurt me. But they have a
0: place, and so does God. And Mm. I put God before them, and I keep it moving. Mm. One thing when you were talking, I was thinking of Yeah, you bought into that and you put a human over God. Yeah. And I wonder if on the other side of it, did you ever think, Tony, how could you do that? Mm. What were you thinking? Because I'm sitting here thinking I want to say to you, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. That's what I want to say is like, I mean, you know, I kind of was like astounded that I feel like he's talking about Jesus and what is John 15. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like, there's a red flag everywhere. But also, I would never want you to think like, oh, you were dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So A, did you think that? And B, what do you say to that Tony that was thinking that? Come on, somebody. Absolutely. I mean, I remember the first time I went to my counselor
1: and I talked to her about church hurt. I literally was like, I just can't believe I fell for it. I feel so stupid. I just can't even believe it. And she said, listen, she said, Tony, you're not crazy. She said, but you were young in your faith Mm. and you did not have good leadership to infuse in you. The ownership of your faith and your relationship with God, they cared more about your investment in them than your own personal discipleship in God. And it definitely relieved it. And then my counselor always hits me with the truth bomb. What are you going to do differently?
0: Mm.
1: What can you do today to recognize the mistakes you made in the past, own it, be okay with healing from what was done to you by someone else. And what are you going to do different, Tony? Who are you going to put in the savior category? Is it going to be a pastor again? or is it going to be your savior, your actual savior? Mm. And I think that's the beauty in it. It's the middle. And I hate the middle. Can Mm -hmm. we just be real about that? It's the complex view of the world. It's the messy middle, the gray that says, yes, I was hurt. Yes, I was abused. Yes, I chose some of those things. Yes, I tethered myself to that. I can do better. I can make mistakes and learn from it and own that I was abused and own that it wasn't all my fault and also walk boldly in the things that I needed to change. Mm. All of them can be true. All, all of it can be true. Hurt and hope can coexist. Pain and joy can funnel through literally the same neuro waves in our brain. We can hold all of this.
0: Mm-hmm. We can. Yeah. We're wired for it. Yeah. So, what does that look like for you guys now as you pastor a church? Because I would imagine yeah. that there are conversations because you've been hurt. We've watched in the past. I mean, Gosh. year, two years so many church leaders fail their people. um, And we're not here to talk about them or about what they did wrong or right or any of that. But you guys are walking into a new season of leadership. How does that play into the way you lead
1: your new church? I'd say the first thing that Sam and I had a conversation around was what are our roles? Mm. Like as pastors, what are our roles? As pastors who travel and speak and have ministries outside of this, what are our roles? And we agreed here recently that Sam has more capacity to pastor and be in deep relationship with church, with our church, with our people, with our staff. God has called me to pastor women all over the country to infuse salvation, not only in the four walls of the church, but in multiple churches around the world. And we had to own that. And it was weird. It was like, does this work? Is this how church is supposed to be? I thought I'm just supposed to be the first lady and the pastor's (laughs) wife and just sit on the first row and smile and wave. But that's not what I'm called to. And the church doesn't have to be that way. And I think the first thing that we have to realize is that church should not be a box. Even in Ephesians, it talks about, even in Timothy, I mean, it talks about worship and how it's not, oh, it's four worship songs, three worship songs, a contemporary, a gospel. Jesus did not build the church like that. He did not give us parameters like that. Mm -hmm. He did not set up the pastor first lady relationship like that. I think first and foremost, we need to get a little bit more real with what church is. Church is a gathering of believers, discipling other believers, walking people to salvation. Mm -hmm what that looks like. And Francis Chan, you know that, Jane. She, he like switched the whole model up. Yeah. And I think we got to be okay with doing that mm. and being okay with, with walking in that boldly. So knowing our roles was a big deal. Number two, accountability. Let's just shout it from the rooftops. We Thank got a global you. board. We got a local board. We got all the boards. And we have people that can actually tell us no and have us sit our tails down. No, sis, you didn't twerk in the club. You got caught. You drunk out here. <laughs> you got to sit, yo tail down. We can be fired. Let me just say this one more time. If you're a Christian leader in any type of influence and you were telling people about Jesus, you better be able to be fired. Somebody better be able to sit your behind down if you fall short of the glory of God, because we all do, period. That's the next season of church leadership and that the podcast is done. Thank you very much. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Mic drop. You better be able to be fired. That is a scary thing for a leader because it is hard to lead an organization in a way that says I'm accountable to people, but we have to do it. And we have not done it for so long. Because that's one of the
0: things that we've seen is with church leaders that have fallen recently is a lack of accountability. Who do they have in their life that can tell them anything? Nobody. I mean, we see like people in their life tell them something. You're fired. I mean, it's like go. You gotta go by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's you're exactly you right. Have it, Jamie. Yeah, I remember just recently after everything came out with Ravi Zacharias and all of that, and that was just oh, yeah. uh, so saddening. But I remember I sent an article to our little pastor. I'm that church oh, member. Did y'all see this? <laughs> <laughs> read this. <laughs> Listen, if I have someone get on the show or there's a book I read text thread pastors at the church here comes ah! jv ivy but i sent them that and i was like you guys this is important and all of them are like they didn't do this to me personally but i, I know that they happen they're like here's my login into my phone here's this uh, you can on, get in you can do on. anything you want and i think that is so important for you to have people in your life that are like yep. here's every password for everything i have yep. you know i mean i remember recently just accountability in my own life something with instagram there was a, a temptation about something and, and i remember thinking do you know how many people had to log into my Instagram? I mean, everyone <laughs> that works for me can get in my Instagram at any time. You know what I mean? And so it's just yeah. things like that of going, I don't have a place I can go hide because I know that I would choose to hide. And Jamie, here's the deal. I think
1: we were, since the beginning of time, we've hid. Oh, we love to need. hide. Yes. We love to hide. We were embarrassed. We were. I mean, we literally saw it in the first days of the entire world. We will hide even from the one who created us. And that is when Brene Brown t- taps in for me so hard when she starts talking about shame and vulnerability and these shame cycles that we find ourselves in. And then we get so big
0: because, again, the enemy will take you to high places as well. Ugh. And he'll leave you there and you will fall. Boop. Yep. That's the thing is like you think, oh, I got here because, you know, I'm serving God and we're doing all these amazing things. But you're hiding. There's so much that you're hiding. I think that is like, I want to ask myself often, is there anything in the dark right now? Like, Ooh. you know what I mean? Like. That's so
1: good, Jamie. I and you know
0: how that. you said earlier about how you were drawn to trauma or whatever abuse or whatever it might be because that felt safe? Honestly, yeah. I think the dark feels safe sometimes. Oh, And it's false. It's, it's a does. lie. It's a lie. A lie. Yeah. Okay. What's that cliche saying? What's brought to the light? I don't know. I'm so bad at co guys. Well, I do What's know that Dr. Martin Luther King said. <laughs> Help us. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light oh. can. Oh, God. <laughs> Get your tail <laughs> out of the dark. Get out of there, girl. That's right. Okay. You said accountability and I interrupted you. So keep going. Oh, okay. Listen, I didn't even notice because I was so excited
1: about the conversation. <laughs> accountability is such a big thing. And here's the truth, man. One of the things that Sam has done so well with the teams is something that we're calling family groups. I mean, we've been in the church for a while. We know small groups. We know like the speed dating style. Everybody get in a room, talk about your zip codes and link up together. We are trying to do something different by doing family groups with people that you already call family and friends mm. that already have accountability with you from the get-go, where there's safety already built. Yeah. And as pastors, we are in a family group already. Mm. We haven't even started the church. I mean, June said, we still have a month to go. Yeah. We're in a family group already. We have global board. We have all this accountability, passwords being shared, girl, all this. Stuff. I was like, Oh Lord, I am naked out here. Isn't uh-huh, it so? I know. I am naked. <laughs> yep. You can see right through me, but <laughs> consistent community, week to week, bi-weekly, people that you're actually doing life with. Oh my God. Imagine if the disciples were operating in their silos. Mm. Imagine the nights they spent in jail together, yeah, holding each other up. I mean, come on, man. Like from the get-go, I see so many of my pastor friends are like, oh yeah, we do small groups and people just kind of meet and we just kind of thrust them into relationships. And I think small groups, the model is amazing. But Your church needs to do life with the people that they're doing life with already so that they can infuse their church and their belief and their faith with their everyday life. Differentiate Sunday. Oh, I got my church friends over here. We talk about Jesus because we do Sunday. But what about the suicidal thoughts come up? Mm -hmm. What about when depression sets in? from an event that happened before I joined the church. I need people that's been walking with me, doing life with me to help, as you said, give me a full picture of the gospel, mm-hmm. no matter what I tell them. And we think that only happens in authentic community with family. So, so good. we're trying to do that really, really well.
0: I love it. And I mean, the thing is we use this family language and that's literally, we use it because it's in scripture, like that yep. we are a family. Like yep. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and that's how it is. And- Sam was quoting someone and they said this people like Christians in the body, church members, should never say that loneliness is something they're experiencing. Ooh. Because they should have this family. You know what I Come
1: mean? On. It's how you make a big church feel small. Mm-hmm. You gotta get people outside of those four walls that can take what they experience in church, in their living rooms and libraries and coffee shops. We got to stop separating church from the rest of our lives. We just have to. So good. We need juice every day. I just, because they can't just get God from a platform. Yeah. Because then it goes back to, I get to experience God from a pastor and not a savior. So good. A pastor is
0: in the four walls of the church. A savior is everywhere. Oh, It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. We already talked about, like, there's no shame. You're you're acknowledging, you're healing, you're moving on. But if you could go back and tell Tony something, when she was following a pastor and not a savior, Mm. what would you say to her?
1: Oh, my God. Am I going to cry? I just want to hide right now.
0: Oh, I'm so emotional about that.
1: That touched me in a way. I think I would just say, Tony, there's a savior that's waiting for you. And he's so much better. And he can carry every ounce of you. He can carry your struggles, your weaknesses, your financial struggles. Gosh, there were so many back then. He can carry everything. And it's not supposed to be this way. I bet you that now that I have heard God speak to me clearly because I chose to be in deep intentional relationship with him, I would say, hey, God's trying to tell you that it's not supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. He didn't design it this way. There's more peace available. There's more hope available. There's more acceptance available to you, Tony. It didn't have to be this way. Like, and I just think if I would have heard that, man, I, one, I don't think I would have given up mm. on God and the church.
0: Yeah.
1: I think I would have been like, yeah, it doesn't have to be this way. And there are healthy churches and healthy leaders that are whole and leading from whole places that can carry all of my stuff in like the earthly realms yeah. and push me to a savior that can carry that much more in the heavenly
0: realms. Oh, amen, amen, oh I amen. hope somebody hears that. Tony, I really believe that somebody heard that. And it's going to transform Mm. their life where they are and maybe where they've been that they haven't walked into that healing and you're going to give them the courage to step into that healing. So, man. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? I didn't even ask you this. What is your book about that you're about to write? (gasps) Do you know? Can you tell? It might be a secret. I don't know. I can. Tell me. It's this concept
1: around being brave enough to be broken. I think that the book is gonna hit, and I I think this is another reason why we did two books because there's so many topics. I mean, I've spoken to leaders about this, how to lead from a broken and authentic place and still infuse hope in your ministries. I've talked to corporate organizations just about how do we actually create an environment where even your corporate employees Feel a sense of knowing and belonging, and they don't have to walk in shame even in the workplace. Mm. And so the book's going to be all about that. And it's going to have story in it. I like always get so nervous. If I really genuinely don't believe that my story is powerful enough to change this lie that the enemy has planted. And so I'm hoping to be able to tell multiple stories that I've heard and get permission around that so that... We can create like a groundswell and a very powerful statement that's like, it's not just me. It's not just crazy, Tony, that God has used honestly right in the middle of my mess and how to practically do that. I have a women's course, as you know, and I told my publisher at the beginning, I'm like, listen, sis, I don't need people being like, oh, wow, I just finished this book. I know all about Tony. And I know that there's hope available to me. Nah, there's going to be a roadmap in it. There always has to be a roadmap. There has to be the A to Z. There has to be how do I get there, the practical side. So I'm super excited to kind of weave some of the course in there on how we walk women every eight months through like actual... Mm. Brokenness and getting on the other side to hope in practical ways. Oh my gosh, so. where can people
0: get a hold of this course right now? Because we can't get your book. Oh, 17 more years because that's how publishing works. But yes. <laughs> yes, what about the course? How do people walk through some of this with you? Yeah, so we do open enrollment twice
1: a year because again, we're walking women like <laughs> eight months one on one intentionally through it. And so, Jeannie, we transition women into the course by doing something called a challenge, an online challenge. It's completely free. Our next one is May 23rd
0: through the 25th. You this guys, is my first time saying this publicly. It's around the corner. Today's May 7th and it it's around the corner. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ah! So I feel like I should tell.
1: Okay. Christine Kane, Joe Saxton, Dr. Anita Phillips, Vivian Mavani. Oh my, oh my gosh. And I Great women Carrie Scott Garcia, who does story, story work, and story therapy. Like it is a beautiful balance, I believe, between God's daughters seeking bona fide faith and miraculous healing and transformation through the power and word of God, and God's daughters who specialize in therapy, mental health, and wellness, and actually processing through story and getting on the other side to places that are. You know, scars and not wounds. And mm. it's like a it's like you it had a baby, like a faith in mental wellness
0: baby. It's the best. And
1: from that place, you can register from the course. You just okay. gotta be inside of the challenge. It's super easy. And then you can come in the course. Yay. Okay. What's the link to sign up? So super easy. You can just text the word hopeful to 94090. Or go to the hopefulwoman.com.
0: Okay, we'll put all that in our show notes, guys, so you can find it. And I'll also share Yay. it on Instagram because I am just a fan of everything you're doing, Tony. And so I'm here for it. this. Okay, what are you loving? What are you reading?
1: Ooh, okay, so I'm actually in seminary, Jamie. You know this. And gosh, help me today. And I'm gonna be honest with you, y'all. I hadn't read all them seminary books. They Some of them, I'd be like, Mm-mm, I can't do it. <laughs> but what I am reading, one of the ones that I really love, I posted about it, it's Worship and the Reality of God. And it borderline tears the evangelical church into two about what we are worshiping, worshiping pastors and platform and Uh-oh. something called worshiptainment. It's like we have turned worship into a, a type of entertainment and it convicted me. Sis. It is convicting me. So I am reading that right now and I am loving Topo Chico's. Can we just be honest? I don't know what else to tell you. Also, the Brene Brown podcast. Sis has been killing it on that podcast. I did not realize how good it was. Mm-hmm. And I loop back to it and I've been going from the first season on, but also Topo Chico's. I have never been
0: around you without a Topo Chico. Well, I have one in my hand right now I know because I just needed to make sure you remembered what this is. <laughs> do you order them online or can you get them in the store in Atlanta? The local Kroger. Thank you oh, very much. Thank you, Kroger.
1: Thank you, Kroger. We didn't know if you were going to come through or make it here, but you, did.
0: <laughs> but you did. Oh my gosh, Tony, girl, I love you. I love you. I'm proud <laughs> of what you and Sam are doing. And man, how do I get to Atlanta on June 6th to be a part of this opening Hillsong Atlanta? I'm just need to get on the airline. Get on the airline. I will carry you in on my back. You're sitting right next to me. What do you want to do? Oh, in okay. all seriousness, excited for what you guys are doing. And thanks for yeah. thanks for encouraging us today on the happy hour. Yeah.
1: I love you, Jamie. Bye, guys.
0: All right, friends, there it was. I hope you loved that conversation as much as I did. In fact, when Tony said, A pastor is in the four walls of a church and a savior is everywhere, mic drop on that one. I'm very grateful for Tony for opening up with us about the church hurt that she walked through. My prayer and hope is that if that is something that you have endured, that you will hear Tony's words and that you will be encouraged by them and you will know that the savior that we serve, Jesus, is everywhere and he cannot let you down and he cannot hurt you. I'm super excited about, in a month, Hillsong Atlanta starting. If you live in Atlanta, check them out. Tony and Sam are going to do a phenomenal job with that church. I adore and respect both of them. Guys, anything we talked about in the show today, any webpage, any book, we have it on our show notes for you. Go to jamieavi.com slash HH388. That's the episode number for today. Don't forget, we've got the bonus content on YouTube for you about being a single mom in the church. And happy Mother's Day. If you're a mama and you're listening, happy Mother's Day this Sunday. Next week, we'll be back here with another show. My friend Elizabeth Passarella sits down with me. She released a book last year that I devoured and she's just hilarious and funny. And so she joins me next week on the show. Guys, have a great day. Have a happy hour with a friend and I will see you back here next week with my friend Elizabeth. (laughs)